everyone uh, welcome to the incidentally reliable podcast i'm bishwa one of the co-founders of uh, zenduty and uh, today we have our very first guest uh, we have rajesh from humalect what's up what's up how's hey, it going bishwa. thanks for having me awesome uh, rajesh so yeah this this podcast is mostly um, you know for that's focused on site reliability okay and anyone and everyone who is either looking at managing site reliability at 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 the current jobs or are aspiring to an sre yeah. career or maybe even sort of engineering managers who are um focused on site reliability i think this is what this podcast is focused on sure um so would love to sort of maybe start by you know what is humelect and maybe before humelect you can you can, you can talk about your journey right i see that you've um, you you you're, you're quite young what are you 27 28 28 uh you 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 went to pilani graduated in 2016 Uh, work in a bunch of companies and then i think about 2 years back you started yeah humelect uh, so take me through your journey yeah so <clears throat> let's start from the beginning then so right after the college like uh, it was the first job um wasn't like very very sure what to do you kept see the campus placement was okay it was the campus placement uh, got placed as a software engineer back then also it was like although i did not study computer science uh, at campus but then i started coding like around in the fourth year Achha. and then it was kind of a like very natural choice that let me not sit for placements in companies which are going for anything other than cs right why uh, i don't like it honestly like i i was a like i i like uh, coding a lot back then mm. um i kind of uh, it was a hankering so i thought let's kind of sit for these companies if something happens happens otherwise we'll find out what to do okay so got placed as a software engineer that was the first job uh, wasn't very sure even inside software engineering what i'm supposed to do i've hmm. uh, got the first uh, project as a full stack developer so learned some front so full stack right, right off the bat yeah that was like for 3 months i did that wrote some node js wrote some javascript back then angular was very famous so wrote some angular also um then i think naturally someone came and gave me some devops related work i think it was related to databases and uh, data stores basically search related databases mm. so uh, got fascinated started liking it a lot so requested one of my managers can i got like can i get more involved in all these things uh, and he was kind enough he was like uh, you can do both the things and then eventually from kind of a full stack profile i moved to a devops engineer profile it was like a very small team there was just like uh, four or five people and eventually after like 6 8 months i became a lead of those was was, was it was it like a uh, was it like the were you part of the early devops team so it was like uh, it was a very big company so there were like hundreds of teams there so uh, it was not like it was a team which was being built for the first time mm. but then there were certain pillars for which these functions did not exist so it was kind of a small startup within the big organization that kind of setup acha so yeah it kind of we started that and then it kind of became a big thing and i got a chance to kind of witness everything okay So that was that was first thing, and then eventually it grew into kind of a very big entity. We started managing kind of uh, a lot of data, a lot of clusters for a lot of teams. Uh, it grew very very big. It came to a point where kind of like I was leading a team of three four people. It was a lot of project, lot of clusters, lot of data at hand. Uh, but when you are working in that kind of setup, you miss that uh, <coughs> feeling of working on things from scratch, developing things being scrappy. so then i thought uh, can i do something which will kind of bring that feeling back uh, mm-hmm. so that's when uh, i started looking for a change 
moved to a smaller company mm. uh, there again um, got a lot of opportunity things were just getting started so built a lot of things from scratch this was a startup this was a startup yes uh, and uh, and they they were just about they were just uh, they had building they had started uh, it was at good scale when i joined so they had just uh, kind of started setting up a lot of things and i got the opportunity to kind of carry it forward and eventually kind of lead it as well can you tell me something i mean when we typically i think what you what you outlined is what a devops engineer wants to do when they're getting started and what they want to do maybe after acquiring 2 3 years of experience right yeah so when you are getting started i think the best thing that you can get is work on as many things as possible and be close to people who already know a lot of things right because devops out of a lot of let's say even if we talk about software engineering right you can learn learn a lot of languages you can start coding but that's not the case with devops you can learn what aws is what azure is but the actual experience that comes is that actually comes when you are working on a lot of things when you are responsible for a lot of things when things are live when you when you when things are live it's not just about technology right devops is also about collaboration it's about people it's about handling situations it's about setting up expectation and getting that expectation delivered it's it's a, so moving from full stack to to a devops role right yeah there are two completely different roles two so completely different skills for me it made a lot of sense because i did not spend a lot of time in full stack right it was just a newbie getting started with full stack for four to six months and then moving on to so in that phase like i was very malleable as well uh, because i was just getting started right so i did not set my mindset in a way where this is what i want to do yep. this is what i like i was open to exploring a lot of things so i think that helped but if you look for some in in case of someone who already has like four five four five years of experience and now that guy decides okay let me move to sre or devops it would not be a very natural shift so so did you did you did you want to move into a devops role so it was it was an accident uh, there was some need in the team and then there was no one to fill in so i was assigned it i did it once did it twice and then i started liking it so i requested <coughs> like let me work on this some more and then eventually that thing continued okay was an accident i would say but but that, yeah that it, it, it was a good a happy accident like i liked it and then i continued with that got it got it and then finally you moved into that startup you were so while working at that startup right there's a huge difference which comes when you are moving from an enterprise company to a startup company first of all the kind of expectations that are there are very very different uh, so the first initial few months are kind of like heavy on you where you are still trying to figure out there are a lot of stakeholders uh, to whom you are answerable and that's not very this easy. is a startup this is a startup so there are more stakeholders to answer to in a startup than yeah because in a in a bigger kind of setup there are multiple teams which are handling a lot of different different things right but in a startup there is just one small team of one or two people and they are kind of talking to everybody in the organization be it tech be it finance devops is a multifaceted kind of area right so you still want to kind of control your bills at some point you have to work on compliance at the other point you have to work on maintaining so that there, there's more there's more accountability in, a, in there's a lot of accountability there's a lot of ownership so initially it can be overwhelming if you are changing the kind of setups but then you eventually get used to it uh, so that happened got a lot of opportunity to learn a lot of things there worked with some really nice people there uh, owned a lot of things which i think helped a lot in kind of improving myself as a person as a person who can own and lead a lot of things hmm. uh, you interact on daily basis with a lot of teams so you get that understanding of how to kind of set expectations with a lot of people and uh, how you can deliver something within deadlines and within kind of allocated budgets right so, so that is the kind of learning that one gets in these kind of setups uh, a while back you mentioned you know people who are currently in a, in 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 a devops role yeah they they are also looking at maybe transitioning to an sre role exactly so i think devops and sre are very close as well but very very different as well so in devops you talk more about process 
setting up things uh, using a lot of tools uh, setting up things so that your work can reduce a lot of people can become independent those interdependencies can be broken that is a work of devops at the same time if you now move to sre now you are responsible for what is the uptime uh, how things are not breaking when they are going live taking care of uh, security moving things to the left of side when developers are taking care of a lot of things so that it's all ingrained in in the culture yep. uh, so these are very very different things but at the same time i think the responsibilities are shared somewhat it's not that devops will do this and sari would do that it it kind of a lot of things intermingle with each other in both these things so it's it's a natural progression if someone who is already doing devops things of okay let's focus on sri they most, most of the cases they already were doing some kind of sri monitoring logging incident management is some kind of sri as well which devops engineers also yep. do right so it's it's like the more the team becomes kind of uh, when the three teams are growing right the responsibilities are kind of very very segregated that this is what this team will do and this is what sri is so let's assign some specific people to take care of these things i don't think it's it's that difficult of a thing so whoever is thinking about it's, it's it not, it's, 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 it's a, a natural, natural transition it's yeah. a natural transition yes let's uh, let's talk about humelect you started this in 21 uh what did you see or which problem did you see that was currently not being solved or not being solved in an optimal way and uh, what made you what made you decide to start uh, humlect so uh, this all is the culmination of whatever i did in those 4 5 years so while working as a devops engineer i worked in very dis- like distinct kind of setups initially working at a place which which has a big team to solve even the smallest of the problems which has a lot of uh, setup in place a lot of procedures and process in place and then going to a setup where things are getting built from scratch so you are also figuring out a lot of things as you go forward right yep. and while having this transition uh, i got to see a few problems uh, problems like uh, a lot of companies kind of getting started with a fixed set of infrastructure kinds uh, and then moving from those days to when you're getting to some scale you have to make a lot of changes to your infrastructure your so team is also where is the, where is the point where you um, where you where you really start having these challenges that you were trying to solve so this was this was basically when i started my journey right so uh, it was a it was a small startup team uh, but then there were a lot of it was fast moving so mm. it was demanding okay. there were a lot of things needed uh, and that was a case because it was a startup so i also spoke to a lot of people who were in position like me right mm. so uh, it it was a basic question like uh, am i the only one who is going through this uh, where there are a lot of things to be done Uh, give me give me an example so let's let's yeah. let's 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 so let's take let's take a let's take a startup that is yes so uh, <coughs> this is what the journey i have seen right like in in most startups what happens is uh, there is a small team of developers who want to build something mm. uh, they obviously like make a fast decision they get started with some kind of infrastructure let's say ec2 instances mm. they get started with that they deploy something it goes live everyone is happy mm. you get some so there, there is some initial traction something happens some right? initial traction and then that traction and then there is and then there is like uh, there is no devops team that you built on day one right it's, yes. it's like you just got started and you start building but then what happens is you get some traction yep. the number of customers increase yep. to fulfill that demand you bring more developers on yep. so now when there are a lot of developers there's a lot of work being shipped now that devops thing process is needed right that setup is needed so you think about things like ci cd because now you have so many developers that everyone needs a separate kind of environment which should be stable for them to be productive makes sense second thing when you are now looking at the customer side of things all those things have to be stable just because you are working as four developers now you move to 20 developers does not mean the user experience can go down yep. so a lot of things are needed on that side your releases have to be very very stable whatever is up should remain up right so that responsibility comes on board and it's a very iterative kind of process so every company goes through it and they figure it out one by one 
people are setting up ci cd then they think about monitoring logging scalability becomes a thing at certain point one security incident happens and then everyone is paranoid for next two months <laughs> so that's the kind of thing right and it should not be like that but the more conversations i had with people the more it became apparent that everyone is going through the same cycle of things using the same standard tools that exist in the market and kind of knitting a solution for themselves together in house everyone is doing that everyone's right? building everyone they, is doing the same same process right and then i was like oh whatever i am doing was already done what by is what else. is the cost of implementing this i mean if if you so, if you're yeah, building so internet according to me the conversation that i've had right by the way these are global conversations so even when when i was thinking of starting umalik i not started i did not start writing code from day one yep. uh, i spent good 3 4 months 5 months talking to a lot of people understanding what their problems are what pain points are so every company at least spent month so it can be 4 months 5 months 6 months I have seen companies spending years also mm. to kind of mature their DevOps process, where everything is placed is in place, and then people know what is responsibility of like which team, and then there is proper R back in place so that people know what my area is, what my area is not, uh, making everything kind of like go through a process, mm. kind of an approval mechanism where you are making sure that compliance is also followed, right? Okay. So that kind of process setting it up. <coughs> almost takes like a year or even more in some cases. So, so that these is are, these are these are teams building their own internal DevOps platform. These are teams who are trying to set up some kind of mechanism through which code can go live, right? It it cannot be like we cannot call that everyone is building a platform. Yep. It can be even like a lot of people write shell scripts also these days. Yes. Till till now Most people are people are doing that. Uh, some are using Terraform, some are not. Some are using Ansible, some are not. Yep. They just kind of set up some kind of process so that things function well, but that that takes a lot of time. And doesn't uh, scale. And then what what it doesn't scale as well as what happens is the DevOps team. This was another observation. DevOps team is always kind of uh, they are always burdened they are always kind of like working a lot uh, mm-hmm. they are answerable for a lot of things uh, and it it kind of becomes for them like uh, they are the only one who are kind of like uh, taking the brunt of it right like whatever happens this is the person who's kind of responsible for it because there's no one else to kind of take care of it right yeah. that that uh, do, 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 accountability do, 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 is not there do you think even at this stage when they when they start building all the devops teams they these devops teams are understaffed Yeah, in most of the cases, wherever I have seen, first of all, as a founder, it's very difficult to find a good DevOps engineer. So no one is to be blamed here, right? Everyone is trying their best, but it's very difficult to find good DevOps engineers. So yeah, understaffing is an actual concern. Yep, and therefore they're overworked. Yeah, so it's it's like you have to run a company, you have to cater to your customers, the developers <laughs> have to work. What will you do? The work has to be done by someone, right? Yep. So 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 coming back to the, the yeah. Problem, so yeah. after observing <laughs> these many problems, right? There was a simple thought like, can we build something which can be a platform kind of approach, a plug and play kind of approach where you bring your cloud account you bring your code uh, there is a direct kind of separation of uh, this is what i am so as a developer you own your data you own your database you own your code that is what you are kind of building that is a business logic for which you are responsible yep. at the same time there is some commodity kind of layer where there is some compute coming from a cloud provider there is some database coming from somewhere hmm. where is the glue between these two yep. everyone is trying to figure that out right so that was the idea can we build it somehow so that not everyone has to go through the same progression and kind of reinvent that wheel build it in such a way that it's useful to them at the same time uh, there were some problems which i saw so i wanted to solve them as well every kind of company is is kind of logged into some kind of tool yep uh, so which what is what is a typical maybe like the top 3 or 4 and they mostly open so people make choices right i would not directly name these tools but there are these areas right let's say you chose something for ci cd yep you can choose anything right but then uh, at some point you would kind of yourself realize that uh, the flexibility that you want from that tool is not there mm. so now you have two options mm. first is completely move out of the tool mm. right which is very very costly by the way at that time because you have invested so much time your team is now kind of used to 
working with those kind of tools so it's very very difficult to do that second is kind of uh, make your peace with it right that, that i cannot change a lot so it's fine it's functional it's fine uh, so that also i wanted to work on that whatever we build should be very very flexible so whatever you want to bring whatever tool you love right work with that it's not like because i'm a platform i'll force you into something right there should be no lock in uh, there should be no migration debt of sorts if you want to move out it should be very very easy for you so let's let's these were, let's, these let's, were the these were the kind of problems which i saw uh, and wanted to solve them obviously along with whatever the devops workflows were so that's what kind of i think um, led to building umalect so what does umalect do right now yeah so umalect is a platform uh, which helps any dev team to kind of uh, fast track whatever they were doing in house from a platform perspective right okay. so uh, proposition is very very simple uh, you work on your code and whatever is needed from an infrastructure perspective you might like to deliver okay. it's a saas platform uh, where you connect your code repositories you connect your cloud account and then whatever is needed from there on be it infrastructure uh, be it ci cd be it observability whatever is needed from uh, from an infrastructure perspective or a devops perspective we help you kind of do it really fast okay so we are not replacing tools that you are already using we are building on top of all these open source tools and the tools that you already love we are just giving you that glue on which you are spending that time what would be sort of like a, the perfect customer for you i mean what's the what's so the, what's the have, company so that so in my journey until now with humalect i have encountered <clears throat> two kind of kind of the best kind of scenarios for us first is people started with something now they are at some scale and they now not need to kind of kind of harden everything right they need to select a solution which kind of scales so they they they're already they're already at scale no they're not already at scale let's say uh, teams of like 20 30 developers or something right they're yeah. not at scale but they know they will be at scale in, in, in a year or so they have that realization right so yeah. there is no preaching involved from our side that is one kind of thing second is the kind of thing where people are already logged into a lot of solutions right i have talked to bigger teams where uh, like really big teams and then they know there is something they need to do mm. whatever technology they started with 5 seven years ago would not scale anymore there are these new tools that have come in now and they need to work on that but then there are constraints from their side like first of all uh, the teams are small mm. so if you are a very big company but then your devops team is kind of constrained so they still have to support the workload that is online right now mm. right it's not that you can take a two year long migration project to kind of move everything to something new while supporting everything else that you are doing on daily basis and you are overworked by the way already right yeah. that is one thing second thing is uh, devops moves really really fast there is a new tool that comes every day so it becomes very difficult for these teams in these kind of setups to kind of maintain all this as well as upskill themselves so they need a way in which they can start working on these newer technologies while having kind of a little bit knowledge about them so it's not like they have to become a pro in it and then only they can do it so that is the second kind of setup where a platform plays really really well so there are there is a lot of abstraction which is done for you and you just come in as a devops engineer and start working on those things let's talk about companies who are at the stage where um where they where, where they start adopting humalect right smaller companies don't have the luxury of having like large sre teams or or yeah, having yeah. or creating an sre team at all yeah right? exactly um but at the same time as you you just started up you're seeing some traction there is there is a lot of customers coming in cyclicality starts to matter yeah actually cyclicality should matter from day one right Ideally. how does how does how are you looking at humalect serving customers that are looking at reliability from day one so we have certain approaches to do it basically first of all coming to site reliability right so ideally everyone should have it kind of day one whenever you are when you are shipping to production ideally you should have it on day one but that's not the case in most most of I think places most most of these companies what i'm what i'm seeing is they they are so focused on getting the product to market and iterating so quickly yeah that makes the case for you know for for exactly. for, for devops devops uh, yes, team yes. or platform all together that you need to ship ship yes. very 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 frequently yes, right yes 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 um 
but then shipping reliably is the problem here that's always an afterthought whenever something happens people react to it's it react. and then they <clears> take <throat> that decision now let's do something and let's so at that time there are two ways of doing it i think first people kind of start looking for what can be done in house that that's always the instinct can we no. do something in house to deal exactly. with it ideal case scenario should be can there be a tool which can help us which mm. kind of organizes everything and then helps you deal deal with those scenarios and brings in a process uh by which you are very very sure it's very intentional that way okay you care about these incidents which are happening incidents are not bad by the way <laughs> when incidents are happening they are giving you that chance of improving yep. right so you should be very very intentional about how do we deal with those incidents how do we make learnings from those incidents and become better mm. day after day so ideal case scenario is choosing a platform or a tool which can help you set all these things up which also is kind of doing good to your SRL team as well because they are not burnt out. They already know what will be the process when something happens. It's a good way to capture and deal with these incidents which are happening. Okay. That's not the case in most of the places, but I think now it's changing. People are more and more open about talking about these things and adopting these practices. How do you, how do you build from scale from day one? So there are certain ways in which this can be done, but I, this is more <coughs> of a culture thing uh, than than bringing um, in some tool which will solve for it. I think I think a, it's a mindset thing. I think I'm, I'm seeing a lot of um, I'm seeing a lot of gyan around. Don't worry about scale. You'll you'll figure oh. it out as as as, you, <laughs> as it comes right. <laughs> I mean, it's reactive and to an extent, I understand that you know a lot of startups you're 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 looking to ship. You're looking to you know get as much as possible out in the market. And then once you have a problem, you will deal with it. And I think I think that's pretty much how our our, our industry has been so working again, for, for quite some time. Uh, I have seen a lot of scenarios where people start doing things like these, and then after one or two years, when you are expecting scale, you bring in someone and expect that there is some magic that this person will do. <laughs> exactly. This person would sort everything but, out yeah, in your life. Yeah. That usually does not happen. Uh, but. With more and more of these cloud native technologies coming in and people adopting them, I think from day one this should be the focus. By the way, these are not very difficult to adopt if you start right. Mm. It's very very simple to get started with containers, with Kubernetes, uh, plugging in a lot of things which you'll need from an observability perspective. Yep. Uh, it's very very easy if you make those right decisions in the beginning. Again, it's intentional, right? The word that I use it should be intentional. It's a mindset thing where you know we started to become something someday. Yep. So let's take care of this while we are doing this. Right away, and it it doesn't <clears throat> cost you anything. Uh, there is that misunderstanding that people have. If we start thinking about all these things, somehow we'll become slow. We won't be able to. If you start, it. if you start thinking about observability and reliability, observability, reliability, incident management, there is that kind of uh, thinking. I don't think that holds true anymore. Yeah. Right. There are pipelines for everything. There are various awesome tools for everything. You just have to kind of integrate all these things together so that you have an A grade setup from day one. Is that non should that be non-negotiable that you have an A grade setup from day one? It will never be non-negotiable. Uh, it, it's like there are priorities that every business has. As a founder or as a company, your goal is to get to market and then validate what you were thinking whether that is right or not. So there will obviously be trade-off always. But as an engineering team, I'm talking about engineering teams only now inside an organization. It's your responsibility also to support business when you get that scale. At that time, you cannot have that. Uh, you cannot say that uh, we wanted to ship really, really fast in the beginning. So that's why all these things are in the shape that they are currently in. That will not be a legit answer at, at like, let's say two years down the line. When, when let's say you are looking to scale, millions of users are going to come and now you need a platform revamp. 
Yeah. That would not be a good scenario to be in, honestly. I think most the the, the startups that do sort of grow well initially, they're typically the ones that are, that iterate fast and are also reliable at the same time. I think thinking about reliability and scale from day one also helps you iterate really fast, right? I mean, I mean, there is there is a you you are trading speed for reliability at some. But it's not that big of a trade off, right? If you think of reliability from day one, if you think of a DevOps setup, right? What all does it involve? It involves developer commit committing their code, going through a CI/CD pipeline, whatever security checks you have built in, going through that, getting built, deployed, making sure scalability is there, security is there, and then reliability is also there, right? When something goes wrong, what do we do? So if you set up all of this on day one. it will take some kind of effort to get started initially but once it's set up it it kind of is ingrained in the, in the culture itself right so everyone is aware yep. what needs to be done and it's it's very very fast uh, after that so i don't think it's even that uh, trade off with with speed while maintaining reliability speed is still possible i think but only thing uh, is it has to be intentional and those right decisions are to be taken at the right time in the beginning itself it's not like some genie will come and actually, help you I, at I a would, later point of time i argue that most companies i think um especially those companies that are founded by younger engineers i think yeah they want to move as quickly as possible and they'll because they don't if, if they don't have any paying customers initially they yeah. they'll probably at least part of it they'll be testing in production and that's all right initially i think it's it's again that thing what what do you favor more uh, i'm maybe as an engineer i'm speaking about all these things <laughs> but if i was someone else who's building a company maybe yeah, i'll take that path so if again let's look at that scenario also in which you did not decide for all these things in the mm-hmm. beginning now somehow you have to grow so now you have that difficult task of kind of making sure that everything works everything that you push is actually going to work yeah at some point you'll have to become reliable right now you'll not have a choice anymore so to say uh take some time if you decide to do it after 2 years to 1/2 years of starting and that's that's that's, that's, that's fine that's also that's, that's fine also yes that's fine also so let's let's talk about production right once everything yeah. is actually out there at any stage um let's talk about major experiments here right so when you 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 ship your code you continue shipping code and there is there is something that breaks uh and there's a real customer impact yeah right how i was curious about I mean, that because you've been you you worked in a, a a startup a bigger company and now you have your own startup how is the volume environment in across these corporates so enterprise maybe like a a, a growth stage company and a at a startup it's it's very 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 different across all these companies so i personally have experience in all these kind of setups right uh in a in a big organization the process is there first of all yep again it's very intentional that way so uh, they set up a process there are a lot of people by the way right mm. you have teams who are there to manage incidents when they are happening uh there are workflows already decided when something happens who will be there who will take care of what who will approve who will be responsible for communication yep so those workflows are there so it's very very organized now coming to a startup the resources are limited in terms of everything right in terms of number of people in terms of who would be communicating with the impacted people who would be giving them updates that is very very limited you have to move really fast because you don't have a lot of choices in a bigger company what you can do is there are multiple people so someone is looking at the incident for let's say i have been involved in incidents that even spanned over days and weeks yep that has happened but then there were people who were changing shifts and taking care of things 
which cannot be the case in a startup yep. right because there are just two three people who are trying to handle everything uh if it's 12 am and if you want to sleep there is that flexibility in a bigger company because there are multiple people who can take shifts and do it that's not the case uh in a small startup i think that is the difference uh that we can see also um the level of impact if if i can tell you that right so i personally was involved in this particular incident that i'm talking about right now so it's like for days all together hundreds and thousands of people can get impacted hundreds at, and thousands at that scale if you do one thing wrong if there is one misconfiguration which enters the system because this misconfiguration while actually working on the incident before incident or after incident right before during it. during also if you want to change something to quickly check, check something right you would have to go through an approval mechanism which would involve like there are six people who would approve something yep that is the kind of process that you go through because the impact that you can cause during an incident if you do something wrong that is huge mm. whereas if you are a startup you know the impacted parties already uh, you can get on a call you're owning the process entirely yeah you own the process but at the same time the stakeholders uh first of all they are more considerate right they know they have been working with a startup they already you can call them you can empathize with them okay this has happened we're trying to take care of it so you have more flexibility there to try out things which will not be there in in a bigger setup mm. but then there are obviously advantages also as an engineer at least you will not be burnt out uh because there are multiple people which are taking care of the it. there are there are mechanisms also to alert you if something goes down in a startup maybe the customer comes to you and reports or something has happened can you look into it that is that is unless you have observability built yeah, from yeah, day yeah. one again yeah. coming to that conversation where people did not care for it on day one yeah. so this is this is a different uh difference that is there uh but yeah i think impact also is is very very different right a startup would not break so many things that a big enterprise incident can break so from that level of like it's it's definitely there yeah got it and um, so there there are there have been certain incidents that you will never forget yeah right i mean for me and ankur i mean there been <laughs> there have been at least two oh nice in our in our careers that we would we will never forget the experience of, yeah. of of going through that right and uh, fortunately those incidents have been so unique that it has never been repeated ever since yeah. all right and it's always in the so Was there any was there any one incident that yeah, so that you learned something that you know like in your, in the back of your mind and you'll never want to repeat again? There is just there is just one incident which I can kind of like never forget. It lasted for weeks. Yeah. Involved, I think five six different teams, mm. seven eight people per team. Uh, so what happened was we were rolling out uh, a new change. Again, this is related to databases. Mm-hmm. so we were rolling out a new change to move from a very very legacy kind of product to a very new container based product mm-hmm. in terms of databases and these are the days when people never like people said don't use containers for at least any data related activity and then later on everyone adopted pvc and pvs but but yeah up till that point people were against using containers for database applications so what happened was although the focus to moving from a legacy product to a newer product was to improve performance what we realized after making that shift was there were huge downtimes and performance issues mm. with the newer solution that we were implementing mm. so it kept on continuing for we started on day 1 we thought it's it's something related to infrastructure maybe the infrastructure is not scaling memory was at at max cpus were blowing up like anything uh, everyone is thinking of infrastructure 
that infra is not able to handle maybe the software is not optimized for infra because the previous product was running fine on those many number of servers with the same load but uh, and it was fine in testing as well so when we released um, the traffic that came they started having impact uh, in production mm. so we're not able to figure out for at least i think first four three four days we were not sure where the issue is we started digging in with the vendor as well for the software that was provided and it's it's 24 hour calls so mm. multiple teams and multiple time zones are sitting on it trying to figure out what happened and i think it was not rolled out to whole of the population so impact was minimal we were anyway it was the deployment was rolled out in such a way that only a smaller number of people were exposed to was this there a, was there a rollback plan for this there was there was we rolled back as well you know we did the rollback that was the first thing yeah. so that the impact was so impact was not that bad impact okay. was not there <clears throat> within within few minutes it was rolled back and uh, everything is fine but there was a reason behind this change happening so although we rolled back we could not hold it for longer right it had to be deployed that was the kind of requirement that you have to deploy this there was a decision taken because of some reason so you have to deploy it yep. but we cannot deploy it because we know this is not scaling so it continued for weeks um, eventually and multiple teams involved and this becomes very very important right that you are not pointing out people or processes or teams when this is happening because if it's a very short span of time let's say the incident is lasting for 8 hours 9 hours then everyone is happy everyone goes home people kind of come the next day do the rca release all that communication but if it's happening for weeks mm. then that there is that thing coming from within that i am not responsible for this why am i suffering right so you start <laughs> pointing fingers you start blaming other people while you were doing your rca the, the post incident analysis how did you and this is this is a problem that I'm, that that you see in a lot of teams that there are there is some level of finger pointing yeah in the rca or in your in your post mortems how did you how did how did your team with deal uh, with, the, with the aftermath of that specific incident so i think it it should be built in the process that post mortems or even the rcs when they are happening right whenever an incident is happening we are not trying to blame anyone for whatever has happened it should be taken in a positive way where we are trying to improve our system and this is helping you to do that so yeah. again it's a culture thing and it mostly comes from top down so the leaders who are handling the incidents right if they are managing their teams in a such a way while this incident is happening that there is clear communication to all the stakeholders involved which is your team as well right so if you are disseminating that information really well in a way where the only goal is to find out the root cause and fix it and nothing else mm. it's not even when 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 you are able to find that particular reason why this happened right when you are dealing with that as well it should not come back to a particular person or a team yeah it should come back to the process yeah. what could have been in place which would have helped to avoid this particular so situation so taking this framework to your to your experience how did you yeah. guys do so, the so basically we were we are going on and on uh, and at no, at no point uh, the team that implemented this was blamed right it was always working with them giving them everything that is needed to resolve it at the same time bringing external help as well we were very very aware that they are overworked they have been working continuously on this thing this is the only focus that the yep. whole team has mm-hmm. so that visibility is also there that i know this person is trying so there is compassion right it, okay. it's is one of the values that we have at humalek so although everyone is trying their best the result might not be in your favor so you have to be compassionate to the other people that you are working with so from that perspective the outer help also came there was a lot of things which were tried and tested and for us it was a small config change okay it is it is even like uh, if you are putting in a config if it's 1824 is it's 8634 right mm. that kind of config is 
causing that big of a disaster so it was a simple config it change it was a simple config thing it was not a change also it was a config at which everything was tested but the production traffic did not behave that way so that config had to be something else okay. it was that small of a change right it's not something which was wrong in your process or in the way that you deal with things or in the way that your dev team is working yeah. so it's it's a situation that you have to deal with right and keep your kind of calm with it you have to motivate your team they are also human beings who are, who are going through this experience for such a big amount of time yeah. and they are trying their best right you cannot blame anyone so keep your cool and what can be the best way to deal with it and kind of finally resolve it and once it's resolved how do you go back to your stakeholders right like this is what my team sacrificed in these days uh we are very very open we are telling you this has happened this is what we have done to fix it and this will not be repeated. so there is always the there is fear of downtime for every person in the company yeah 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 it's it's not just the engineers who built it or who shipped it or who exactly. are, who are doing who are, who are monitoring the production environment it's also you know your 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 sales team would fear it your marketing team exactly. would fear it right yeah because because downtime depending on the magnitude can actually impact your business right exactly financially as well financially as well how do you how do you stop fearing downtime because downtime is is some level of downtime is inevitable right yeah how do you train yourself to not be overwhelmed by the consequences of downtime so along with downtime right it can be any incident let's say it's not downtime but it's something else it's it's an incident anything it's, right it's not something, sort of, it's something. not hard downtime so it's it's part of the process first of all you have to kind of make your peace with it make a peace with it right whenever you are writing code you can test to the best of your ability you can have a lot of code quality in place whatever you want to do you can you can even from an observability and incident management perspective you can come up with so many playbooks right you yep. can do everything that that you can uh, but then it's going to happen so first of all you have to be very very comfortable with it that mm-hmm. it's going to happen and when it's happening to you at that particular point of time if you are freaking out or if you are fearing what other people will say to me you are prolonging the, the incident exactly right? so that is another thing as a team leader right it's again top to bottom that kind of culture has to come that there is complete blamelessness in the process where no one is to be blamed for what is happening yeah. even even if there is monetary loss right we all as engineers are trying to avoid that situation where the uptime goes like below whatever was promised to the customer and then there are obviously financial consequences to that as well but when you are thinking about all these things right while the incident is happening and you are fearing that it's only going to make it worse yep. so as a as a leader you have to encourage your people to focus on that one particular thing where the focus should be during that period right all these things can be thought about after the incident is over once you have communicated to all your stakeholders and then you can improve on top of it but it's a culture thing which has to be imbibed top down i think if the leaders themselves are blaming uh, everyone in the team there will be no <laughs> resolution the impact would only increase right why would those people stick with you Yep. in the long run yeah if you whenever there some something will go wrong always right but whenever something is happening how you handle that particular situation is what makes your team stronger those are the testing times when you see like how how good your team is and how how strong they are uh, let's let's sort of continue with the same construct here if you're if you're looking at a major incident that that spans across multiple teams and then uh, when you do the post mortem of that incident right, i think the one thing that a lot of people are not focusing on is getting teams to learn about other teams services or their processes yeah i my service is communicating with the service of a different team and if their services go down my services go down yeah exactly and if my services go down there's someone down the line someone downstream whose services will go exactly. down exactly 
there's how do how do you again at a, at a, at a, at a bigger scale right how do you as an engineering manager get your teams to learn about other services or what's going on in other teams got it so this is this is a classic problem which our platform also solves for this is siloing <laughs> this siloing of siloing, right yeah. so in my context we talk about it as siloing between developers and devops engineers right these teams are always kind of black boxes which in this case extended is all the teams are black boxes yep. so i'm working on something which other people are not aware about so one thing is communication and collaboration which in the current setup does not happen at least the problem that we are solving for right never happens uh, infrastructure is responsibility of some someone else yep. uh, observability is responsibility of someone else and then obviously developers are there who are building the business logic right so collaborating more and more with other teams uh, with a culture of open documentation right where people get a chance every week every month so that they are brainstorming on problems which are spanning across multiple areas now in a bigger setup it might be very very difficult right uh, even to share the documentation with other teams mm. might not be allowed in case like let's say if there is some phi pii involved right if those things come in picture that's 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 not possible in multiple scenarios so going like whenever the incident is happening at that time you can communicate really well and then solve for it but kind of establishing a process where people at least have access to all these things information which is not confidential right those kind of things can be so available I, to I, I, I will need access to all the documentation about services that i'm dependent on yeah exactly and for the down the line as well right so yes. it has to be so if you know whatever you are building is using two upstream services and then there are two downstream services which are impacting someone else also at least that much communication should be there yeah and it's it's make it mandatory <laughs> yeah right that you cannot push your pr if you're not aware about these flows mm. i would even go to the extent where get an approval from those people but it might obviously slow things down but it's it's the criticality of things that you want to keep but you as a developer it's a best practice if you are aware about what other things are getting impacted because of you got it and i think we'll just end with with culture because everything that we're talking about is it's culture it's culture yes. right it's a, it's a culture of reliability and for uh, for any sort of companies or ctos who are at at your stage or maybe maybe sort of early stage right how do you set the tone for or how do you build that culture for, uh, culture of reliability from from day one culture culture is about people right it's it's what kind of people who are making the organization that's that's culture so it starts with a vision so first of all set up a vision right uh, why did you start with what you're doing what was the reason behind that what's the vision long term vision set that up first uh, what is the goal that you are trying to achieve as a team set that up first what is the expectation that you have from these people to achieve that goal so that they are aware so once you have set up all these things communicate mm. let them know that this is what we as a team are trying to achieve why we are trying to achieve that and what is expected of you as a team member look for people who are coming from various different different kind of background okay you can see that the kind of energy that younger folks are bringing the kind of decision making that a lot of senior people are bringing in a lot of these new engineers are getting guidance from these senior folks and developing their careers as well while contributing for the company that is that is something that i encourage so diversity and inclusion has to be there in the company it can be of like uh, various forms not looking for the two three cliched ones but definitely that helps a lot uh, how do you bake in reliability within all of this culture i mean there is certainly it will it will it will reflect in uh, in the kind of product that you end up shipping um but how do you bake in site how do you bake in reliability from day one 
so to bake in reliability from day one people have to be aware of what will be the consequences if if reliability is not there yep. whatever they are building if it's built with that empathy with the customer that if this goes down this will be the impact that will have on con- consumers so if you have that mindset when you are even designing features it won't be this is not my work it will delay the sprint by 2 days if i do this if i write test cases for this if i set up all these additional things uh, it will take me 3 additional days those questions would not come it is going to take extra time but everyone is comfortable with that yep. because we care eventually what you are trying to do you found a problem you are trying to solve that problem for a user in return for some value you generate value for them they give you something so if that value is being compromised you should not be fine with it so if you bake in that thing from day one i think reliability everyone is fine with that whatever additional things come with it people are fine with that yeah awesome maybe let's 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 keep it focused on those engineers who are looking to build something in the dev tool space itself okay how would you how would you go about starting up in uh, or how would you how would you build a dev tool saas company so uh, if you have already zeroed in or decided to start a dev tool company that means you already have some insight exactly you found a problem which no one is solving for which is difficult by the way today uh, there is some solution for every small problem that exists but if you have found something already uh, i would suggest first of all make sure the product is really needed don't make that mistake where you start building something uh, with some poor insight definitely one year two year down the line whatever you are thinking of building today will be looking very very different from what you have in mind right now so start with that insight and start talking to a lot of people who are fellow developers as to how problematic it is for them and the solution that you are thinking what value would it create for them and are they willing to pay for it exactly. that's the first thing start from there uh now after this market research if you feel for sure that you have to do it i'm also assuming if you are starting to build something you already have a job so don't quit your job on day one mm. uh start talking to a lot of people on the side but also have your job until you get so much evidence that now you have to somehow build this the world is not a good place without this tool mm. at that point you can make that choice of leaving your job but definitely have a runway of 6 to 12 months depending on personal runway personal runway yeah this is the runway for you to survive if you don't get funded or if your users are not paying you for the next 12 months have that personal runway with you i would argue 12 to 18 months rather in this current market yes 18 is a is a very safe number honestly i would agree on that once you have done all those things the most important thing is your team i think and the team starts with the co-founder don't think of starting up alone mm-hmm. uh, that's a request from my side don't do it if you are good at tech get someone who can sell if you are good at sales get someone who can build the more stronger team that you have it's a moat of a kind in current market where there it's not possible to kind of build good teams i, I don't think i think you, you won't be able to build a team um on day zero it's just you and your co-founder i think the team starts with the co-founder so if you get I mean, a strong co-founding team right even if two three people who are really good at what they do let's say from a community perspective from a sales perspective from a tech perspective if you if you are getting that great combination on day one you already won half the battle not focusing on a, on the idea by the way right you have found a problem it would get refined over time that's fine yep but start with a good co-founding team and then the goal should be a lot of people start uh, seeking funding really early but according to me you should spend some time and build kind of a scrappy prototype for your tool uh, get that user interest first of all whoever you built it for when you were doing market research it's ideal to collect 
the contact information of all those users so that when you have your version one you go back to all these people and give them to use the product get that feedback and think about raising and building your team only after that it might actually so happen that you built your solution and you did not get uh, the response that you expected at that time it will be a very good point for you to think about is the problem even real okay. one more time try asking you to revisit that i'll i'll throw you another curveball yeah should you build a saas or an open source because a lot of again in the in the context of dev tools yeah it's easier to start building open source and get that feedback from day zero exactly versus building it through uh, as a closed source and waiting to ship before you hear some concrete feedback you, you initially you'll get feedback about the problem yeah but you don't get feedback about the solution when you're building it on open source probably you'll you'll I'm, get a I'm lot in, of uh, by the way I'm in favor of open source actually you get a lot of feedback uh, first hand feedback really really quickly uh, you also get a lot of people who will help you build your solution along the way mm. so definitely if you can build something open source while also thinking about how you would monetize it later on I'm in favor of open source I think I think we've had a pretty long um, discussion this is going to be more i enjoyed it there's definitely going to be more of this yeah um humilit is launching in public uh, we are going public. in the next in the next few weeks yes. the next few days rather yeah and uh, you know we'll we'll probably have another podcast on uh, on where this product is heading to sure where this industry is heading to in general and uh, i mean thank you for taking time and always a pleasure talking to you guys yeah. thanks a lot for having me awesome perfect thanks everyone for tuning in to the incidentally reliable podcast and uh, we'll see you in a few weeks